0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Galal, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, black ass yes, hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham? I am doing quite well. My mood would have been a lot different based on today's Braves game. Mm-hmm. This is, what's today, Wednesday? Wednesday, the, the well, 11th. 11th. The 11th. Yeah. Uh, day game that we pulled out in extra innings against the Nationals. So that was nice. So we got that going. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in the Graham Waldrop studio. For the first time. The The, new Graham Waldrop studio. The new Graham Waldrop studio. Yeah. We needed uh, the best acoustics we could get our hands on after our past couple weeks that have been a little subpar. Turns out doing a podcast in a public park isn't... The best option. Nor is it when your microphone decides to stop working for some reason. That hurts as well. But I think old blue is uh, blue snowball is back in business. Yeah, We did some audio tests, so you guys should be all right. We apologize for any uh, issues you had listening to the episode last time. Would like to start with a bit of a PSA. Oh, douche! Unfair. Sorry, Graham. Sorry. It's, right. it's John Galvin saying, "Go Flyers." Like, <laughs> the what, why do I care about that? Yeah. Um, sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do care a little bit. I watched the past two, two games for the Philadelphia uh, Flyers this past week. Hockey, uh, hockey's kind of entertaining, I'll give it that. But a um, little bit of a PSA to all the users out there about a little bit of disappointment in the turnout at the Atlanta's own tailgate. inaugural tailgate at yep. Turner Field. We had, what, like um, 14 people there? Yep. None of which we did not know, and maybe three of which actually listened to the podcast? Yeah. Jeff, Arthur, Alexa. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We did meet that uh, Georgia State guy, some guy who's uh, like their journalist. Yeah. And... He said he was going to give us a shout-out, but he never did. He never did. I, we even followed him on Twitter. Very unfair, sir, <laughs> whoever you are. <laughs> you know who you are. Just give us a follow, for Christ's yeah. sake. Uh, he probably did follow us. We just didn't notice. Ew. But, nonetheless, we had a good time, Graham. Yes. It, it was nice to be down there in the old, the green lot. You know what, what might have happened, though? And I'll give the users a break here. We said, for weeks, blue lot, blue lot, blue lot. We even said in the last episode, blue lot. We did send out some Facebooks and some Twitters saying we're going to the green lot. Like... Right before that. However, some people might have showed the blue light, but not knowing known what to do. It's possible, Graham. It's possible. Not probable. Right. But we, possible. We also have to mention there are plenty of users around the country and the world who listen to the show who might not have been able to make it down that weekend. Hugo could have caught a flight. Hugo could have caught a flight. If he had a little more dedication. He could have. We also have some friends who uh, live in New Jersey listen to the show there's like seven or eight people from east orange new jersey i think yeah I, you know i'm not gonna hold it against them that they didn't show up sure could be my old roommate Vinny graziosi yeah shout out to you guys out there in new jersey listen to us yeah but you actually went into the stadium right i did go into the stadium um what was it like it was at once perverse and at once filled with hope because it was perverse, because it felt completely unnatural to walk into Turner Field and for that there not to be, uh, you know, a baseball field. And but I felt great because the stadium was largely intact. They moved a bunch of the outfield, right field bleachers closer to the to the stadium, or closer to the actual football field. And there seemed to be a great energy in the air. Were there and people in there? There were people in there. There weren't a ton of people because the game wasn't starting for another hour and a half or so and everyone was just going to use the bathroom <laughs> i just wanted i didn't have to go to the bathroom i just wanted to go see it and the band was playing and going nuts and they really made it work for football there's way too many seats in there for how many people are going to come to a georgia state game as of right now but i think what georgia state has done with the with turner field is preserve it use it to their advantage and honor its legacy by continuing its storied tradition so I think they have options with that stadium to do other things. Like, um, they could do outdoor soccer games out there. Sure. Say, the Atlanta United have their second team. They're like, uh, I th- they're called like ATL-UTD-2. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's like their minor league team. And I saw that th- those guys played up at... Um, Ray Stadium a couple of weeks ago which looked pretty cool so that's something that they could do at Georgia State yeah and that would be awesome like I sure. feel like a lot of people come out for soccer games out there and mm-hmm. um, I don't know they could host a small bowl or something you know they got options and uh, the Georgia State dude was telling us that they're gonna turn the big part of the green lot into a baseball field and correct me if I'm wrong that's actually that's right where Fulton County was yeah and yeah. I, I didn't he say that they were going to utilize the fence that's out there already as part of the actual fence? That'd be dope. I feel like he said something along those lines. I don't remember that. I think I came in half yeah, you, drunk you to did, that conversation. You, yeah, you did a classic Graham jump in in the middle of a conversation and start ranting and raving. What was going on? Acting like you know what's going on even though oh, yeah, you clearly yeah, have no yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much how he sounded like. But that'd be really cool. Sure. So... You got to appreciate that Georgia State has taken that instead of uh, like demolishing Turner Field and right. turning it into nothing. So. Yeah. So I think it was overall a, uh, a, su- a success, the tailgate, even though we didn't get a huge turnout. We had a lot of fun. Um, got to see Turner Field again. It did end with producer Tiller having a seizure, though. Yeah, that was very unfair. So that was... Uh, that was that she was, was upset, I think, that not enough people showed up. and yeah. She had a little bit of a panic attack, which turned into a seizure. She was a little worried it was due to her producing skills. Right, that she hadn't prepared enough yeah. or done enough marketing. And but all is good on that front. Yeah. So we do move on. No, that's good to hear. And, uh, yeah. I think we can move on to some actual Atlanta sports news. We'll open up with the Braves. Uh, since we last talked to you guys, the Braves took 2-3 from the Rockies and lost 2-3 to the Nationals, so they're at 3-3 three and three right now on their current nine-game road trip about to head up to Chicago uh, for a weekend series against the Cubs. But... Overall, the team has continued to play pretty strong. And regardless of those two losses, uh, you know, you, you ran into a buzzsaw with Max Scherzer. He pitched his ass off. That was like a classer Scherzer performance. A mad Max Scherzer after we beat him last time. Yeah, he was throwing fireball. I mean, everything was like in the upper 90s. He even felt like his curveball was going in there at 97. It wasn't, but it kind of felt like yeah. it was. He was I mean, just untouchable. They had said that he's um, going into that game. He was like 15-2 all time after a loss. So he was just, yeah, that he was, was getting after it. He and he was on the, all over the. Ba- he got his first stolen base of his career as well. Yeah, that was that was vintage Scherzer. And then Strasberg pitched really well last night. So, you know, there's also a desperate Nationals team because coming into this series, they had lost five in a row. Yeah, um, two two straight series they lost two or three to us, and then were, were swept by the Mets, who are currently leading the division for people who care about the standings in April. So you knew you were going to get the best shot at home, especially, and we did. And thankfully, we were able to escape with a victory today. Uh, That was sort of all over the place, that game. Yeah, and we we got pretty decent starting pitching the entire Nationals series. Like, Julio gave up too early, but then settled down and threw six pretty strong innings with just the two earned runs. The the thing I noticed in the start with Julio, I was really watching him in depth this time, comparing it to his his last start, which was also against the Nationals, a lot more movement on his pitches. Yeah. He was trying to consistently hit the outside part of the plate, it seemed like, regardless of who was up there, lefty or righty. And um, he still threw a lot of pitches, more pitches than I would like to see. But it was encouraging to see him actually show that he can still pitch in the major leagues. Because even though I know the splits are ridiculous, his home and away splits, I was really nervous going into that game thinking he was going to get shelled. But he was much sharper than he was in his prior outing. Yeah, so he looked a lot better. Uh, Fulte really had an off start, but he also only gave up, I think, two runs as well. Only five innings, so the walks were up there for Fulte. But um, still for him was kind of the bend-but-don't-break type of deal. Um, Yeah, and it seemed like the Nationals were really working the count well. Um, The off-speed pitches like his change-up and his curveball um, were in a sharp, and they were able to sort of hone in on them a little more than they were last time. It seemed like every batter was getting into a two and two, three and two count. Yeah. Um. So I mean, he battled, and it could have gotten away from him, but it didn't. So that was still encouraging to see. And um, but yeah, the the game today was just absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, so and, and it was wild. I mean, it was like McCarthy, and it started really. You know, we were up. What I think two nothing or two to one. Yeah, uh, Ozzy. Ozzie hit a home run. His team leading fourth home run. Yeah, Ozzy hit a home run. Suzuki hit two home runs today. So we're up two nothing or two to one. I can't remember. And McCarthy's covering first, and it's the end of the fifth inning. On a uh, you know, pitcher's running, you know, hit the first. He's covering the bag. And he catches the ball, and he just. Right when he catches the ball, he just holds his elbow or shoulder, just in immense pain, his, his uh, non-throwing shoulder. And it's like, what the hell did he do? All he did was catch the ball. Apparently, he had a dislocated <clears throat> shoulder yeah. that was popped back into place on on the field by the trainer, and then he was pulled from the game. But he, was, he wasn't he was pitching like great, but he was getting a lot of early... You know, he was allowing, oh. it seemed like, a base runner every inning. And it seemed like he was getting bailed he's out. He was getting like a lot of plays. ground balls, He got a lot of ground balls when he needed them. But he was only at 61 pitches through five innings. That and sucks. I, and I was like, man, this is going to be such a great opportunity to save the bullpen. Because they've yep. been working so hard recently because we can't get out of the fifth inning. Yep. Um... So, but the good news is there that it was his non-throwing shoulder and it sounds, I don't think he'll even miss a start out of it. No, Snickers said after the game that he, he should be able to, he should be ready to go. Yeah, Brian on the seventh inning stretch that Fox Sports South does now, Brian Jordan was on there talking about, oh yeah, I've done that a couple times in my career. You just reach out too far and overextend mm-hmm. your shoulder and stay day type of deal. Right. And then extra innings was nuts. So we're in the 10th inning. And Ender's on third. Freddie's on second. The the Nationals pitcher's taking a sweet time getting set, and Ender tries to pull a... Give me a name drop from the Sandlot. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Benny the Jet Rodriguez-esque steal of home. And he's called out at the plate, and the pitcher barely recognizes that Ender's going. Throws it home. They apply the tag, but it looks like it's late, and Ender got his hand in there. They replay it a bunch of times. They show one particular angle that looks that made it look like Ender got in and then it was ruled that he was he was out however apparently Fox Sports South reached out to them and said well why was he out and why wasn't the call overturned they said there wasn't enough visual evidence yeah than, it, to overturn it the sure call. looked like he got so it was Sean Doolittle pitching and A. I was amazed that he had the wherewithal to step back and not balk. I think that's part of what you hope for when you steal right. home is that they're going to balk. But they're so surprised. But yeah, yep. I mean I like the the tag was high and you could see Ender's hand obviously the guy if he's getting tagged in his chest mm-hmm. and his hands completely spread out. I mean you would think his hands in there. Right. But even though he was out like I mean that was awesome. Like I almost got goosebumps. I mean it reminded me just of Benny the Jet Rodriguez right. obviously. Mm-hmm. And um Smalls up in the the box up there just calling the steal. Um, but it was cool. Like, I wasn't even mad that he was out just because I just loved the balls on that play to just go for it. Right. You're know? in your next training. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would have liked to let Suzuki swing away there just because he had been hitting well that day. But, yeah, I applaud the move, and you could you can honestly say he was safe. Yeah, t- I mean, take a risk every now and then. And the Nationals' bullpen is dirty, man. They have so many arms down there. I think they'll still have issues. They always seem I mean, to have issues. Se- with their, with second them. half, once they went and got Doolittle, Doolittle and Madsen, Madsen. Yeah, they're definitely better than they were last yeah, year they, this time. I mean, the way they were pitching, the number of arms, I, I think it was a good call to take a risk like that. Yeah. Also, for us, what this extra Indians game showed me is, so currently we're pitching with an extra arm out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. which means we only have four guys on the bench. So this is like the second extra innings game that we've run out of guys um, because their snit is always pulling Preston Tucker to put in Borges. But today you see why. It paid off. It was the inning he was put in too. It paid off big time. He threw, Borges threw out a guy at the plate. I think it was Harper. Was it Harper? I can't remember. He threw out someone at the plate. It would have been a go-ahead run. And I noticed. I think it was Matt Adams actually. You're right. It was Matt Adams. It was Matt Adams. Yeah, he throws out Matt Adams at the plate. But I noticed in the first run that scored in that game, a ball is hit the left field and Tucker fielded it, and he threw it, and it was the, one of the worst throws from an outfielder I've ever seen. Yeah. I was like, you have the arm strength of a fucking five-year-old girl. And so it was so far up, like it didn't even come close to sniffing the plate. So that uh, piece of strategy worked out well, because Borges, regardless of what you want to say about him, has at least he has a better arm than Preston Tucker. It was right on the money, saved the game. Then he plays hero at the end and uh, with the decisive two-run single to, yeah. to put it, put it in ahead. the perfect spot. Yeah. So it just goes to show people like to give Snit a lot of shit, and that's been the popular one this year. Oh, he's pulling Tucker again! Bah, 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 bah. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're one of those people who I accepted. am one of those people. Yeah. And uh, Snit proved me wrong today. No. Yeah. And uh, just goes to show. A man with 40-plus years of baseball experience that works with these people every single day probably has a little better idea of um, the difference in Preston Tucker's defensive skills versus Peter Borges than some guy like me who sits on couches and watches a three-hour game and makes all of my assessments solely off of that (laughs) game. Yep. So I'm, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Right. But the problem with it is that it makes our bench that much shorter, which right. once Acuna gets up here, it's not going to be an issue because you're not going to have Acuna getting pulled for defensive reasons, obviously. So then you have your Flaherty, your Tucker, Lane Adams, and either Suzuki or Flowers coming off the bench. Right. This, this effort today... Um, both offensively and defensively from Peter Borjas, allow him to stay on the team. Is he is he not the odd man out anymore? Yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see. A lot of that will play out, but I think the past couple series have, have also shown us that while Ryan Flaherty and Preston Tucker won of us won us a couple of games, we want Camargo and Acuna in there. Like, yeah, don't no, ki- don't kid yourself. It's not the long term solution. Yeah, I think we. I certainly jumped the gun last week. Where I was like, well, do you just see where it is by the end of the month? And blah, blah, blah. And eh. Let's see him this weekend with the Cubs, man. Sure. He could, I mean, I don't, I'm not ready to say that Preston Tucker is, you know, going to be odd, man. I have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen. We don't even know if they're going to call up Acuna on the 16th or whenever he's actually eligible. No, it's this weekend against the Cubs he's eligible. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, so who knows if he's actually going to call it up or not. He, yeah. f- he finally got his first—he was 0 for 8 with a couple of strikeouts uh, a few days ago in AAA so far, and then last night um, got a couple of hits and a walk, and so everybody stopped freaking out so much. Johan Camargo also hit a home run yeah. last night for the, the Stripers, so it's good seeing those, those guys start to produce at the minor league level as they try to get their way— well, Camargo tries to get his way back onto the team— and Acuna tries to make his major league debut. So, yeah. Camargo, I, I think that's going to be a real difference having him back in the lineup, even if Acuna is not up yet. I agree. Um, he's just steady bat. he has got a lot more pop than Flaherty. Obviously, I think, I think it also improves your defense. Even though Flaherty's a solid defender, I would say Camargo has more range and is faster and is more versatile. Even though Flaherty can play a number of positions, uh, I love. I think Camargo strengthens your in, infield defensively especially. Are you just saying that because Flaherty's like some gangly-looking white guy in his 30s? No, I've just seen both of them play quite a bit, and I think Camargo's a superior defender. Okay. Just from the eye test. I'm not taking any defensive metrics. <laughs> the old Graham Waldrop eye test? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Colorado series real quick, too. I mean, yes. That was an impressive two out of three to take that, and the bats were just it up there. Yeah, really impressive display. Ozzie Albie's really... Came out of his shell. I think he hit what, two bombs during that series? Yep. Swanson got his first. Dansby's been crushing Dansby it. has been on fire. He is leading the team in batting average. He is heading three forty eight with a three seventy five on base and five sixty five slagging percentage, which is shocking. Yeah, it's, it's been a sight for sore it's eyes. It's a very small sample size, but Dansby, I can't hold anything against him. Even that error he made... In the, in the game against uh, the Nationals last night against Strasburg. Yeah. Um, it was a very routine play. He should have made it. Okay, you're going you're gonna to fuck up every once in a while. It was also raining pretty hard in that game. So if he's producing that way at the plate, I'm willing to forgive some of his minor defensive miscues. And he also, the night before in the Scherzer game, he made two incredible defensive stops. Yeah, And it looked like... So I think so far this year, despite that really bad error... Um, and the Strasbourg Nationals game, game two. I think his defenses look better. His offense, his swing looks really far more compact. He's working the count. Today, I hate to give it, we'll go back to the Rockies series, but since we're on Dansby, today he was down 0-2. He, he worked his way back to draw the walk. That's awesome. Um, Foul off a couple of pitches. It was a really nice at bat. And I think his, his plate discipline is better. He's working the count more. He's making solid contact. He's keeping his head on the ball. I know that's very rudimentary. But so many times last year, he was looking up when he, after he swung. He was like, oh, where did I hit my home run when it's in the fucking catcher's mitt? This year, his head's on the ball. He's driving. He's really pulling the ball, too. He's getting around it. And on that bloop double today, you know, he didn't try to force anything. It wasn't a great hit, but he just went with the pitch. He's not right. trying to force anything. He's not trying to be the fucking hero. He's just playing his game, yep. and it's paying off for him. Good things happen when you put the ball in play sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been really, really awesome to see from him. And you got to think, with these offenses, I mean, despite the two shutouts, like I said, that's Scherzer Strasburg. and Strasburg, two of the top ten pitchers in the league. Yeah. Um, we're getting it from a little bit of everybody, but also Ender has been struggling big time. Yeah. And you know he's going to get going. Ender's not a guy you worry about. Well, yeah, and you looked at, you know, Ender had a very slow start last year. At the end of April, he was hitting two thirty. Yeah. So, I mean, from there, May on, he was hitting over 300, and he wasn't, he wasn't getting lucky, so. Yeah, so with the great work we've been doing so far, I haven't had basically anything from Ender, we're missing our starting third baseman, Camargo, we're missing our starting catcher, Flowers, Flowers, and the Flowers, now you, like, with this kid that we traded for from the Angels, what's his face, uh, I don't want to just Uh, Lopez, No. (laughs) I was going to say Carlos. It is Uh, Carlos, isn't it? Carlos Lopez. It's not Lopez. It is his name. It's not Lopez. Yeah, it is. Don't you think we'd know if we had a Javi Lopez on the team? It's not. I said Carlos Lopez. I know. Lopez, though. Don't search Carlos Lopez. It's wrong. It's... No. (laughs) There he is. That's not him. He's a retired professional baseball player. So we're missing our starting catcher as well, and Tyler Flowers, where... You can see where that duo of Suzuki and Flowers, how valuable that really is when you look at the dude we got here now. Not Carlos Lopez Graham, <laughs> Carlos Perez. Carlos Perez. Which I get the mix up there because Javi Lopez, Eddie, Eddie Perez, Perez that's, yeah. that's an easy, easy uh, c- confusion there. Indeed. But um, yeah, this Carlos Perez guy, his, like he's just got like the classic bulky catcher, slow swing... Just looks clueless up there. Yeah. But the point is, we're doing it without Camargo, Flowers, and don't have Acuna up either. Yeah, and and Ender's not producing. And Ender's not producing. So, for us to be in the top ten in most offensive categories, despite all that, it's pretty impressive. And despite the small sample size, it's encouraging. Um, Because you could have come in today and just said, fuck it, we lost the series, whatever. See, that's what was great about, like, coming back to – like, once freaking – what's his face? What's our closer's name? Vizcaino. Vizcaino. Once he blew that, and I knew he was going to blow it. When I saw how good Mentor was in the eighth inning. Mentor. 13 pitches, 3Ks. Looks dominant. Looks like Kimbrel. Struck out Harper. Struck out Harper. Yeah. I, in my head, I was like, bring him out for the ninth. Yeah. Let I mean, him get he, a, like, he pitched his ass off. What was incredible about his fastball is the way it cuts in on right-handed batters. I mean, yeah. they, they have no room to move. It was like when he struck out, I think, uh, Taylor today, I was like, good God. I haven't seen a pitch move like that in so long where it just like starts on the outside part of the plate and just zooms into the inside corner. Ties you up so much you can't even touch it. I mean, it was it was un- it, his he was A plus today, A yeah. plus stuff. I'll go ahead and say for all you out there that play fantasy baseball, go ahead and pick up AJ Minter because mm-hmm. it's only a matter of another month or two before he's our closer. I think Viz is a good pitcher, but I think he's more of a seventh eighth inning guy. I don't. I think he's a bit of a head case when it comes to closing. Well, and he also overthrew Freddie today on that pickoff play. Yeah, he was even trying to pick the guy off. He was just. Throwing it over there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we look at his two of his last three appearances, one point two innings pitched, three hits, two runs, three strikeouts, three walks, and he's given up uh, a home run in that spell as well. So, I mean, hell, we could have swept the Rockies had he not imploded right. on that Saturday night game. But and are you are you ready to push the panic button on him, or do you let him you know keep going no, back out there? You you let him keep going out there, but. Maybe throw a mentor out there in the ninth inning one time. Like see how he does. Like Yeah, I think especially if the struggles continue, if he has yeah, I think you you're on a short leash as a closer I and mean, you got someone knocking on the door, yeah, who's younger, who has better stuff, who looks poised and ready. You're you're getting you're you're on the cusp of getting yanked if you keep going out there with performances like this. Yeah, not and not to say that Viz isn't a guy that I don't want in my bullpen. I do want him in our bullpen. Yeah. But he just might not be that ninth inning guy, which yeah. is fine. Right. Um, but the point is, after he blew that, mm-hmm. I just love the fact that it wasn't the Braves of the last couple of years where it's like because then I even tweeted it out from the official Atlanta Zone uh, Twitter account. I was like, account. I was like, obviously we're about to blow this game, mm-hmm. but Ender stealing, trying to steal home, was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, just because you assume you assume oh, that's going to happen. Like we're playing. Like they have the last at bat. There's no chance. But yeah. These guys kept battling, and yeah. uh, and it was it was cool too. It was back and forth. It was like every time we scored, they would score. Um in the end there. And then somehow, some way we pulled through and the most unlikely person, Peter Borges. I mean it would have been a ground out of second had the infield not been in, but hey, you you take it and yeah. you put it in your back pocket and you get out and fly to Chicago with knowing that you salvaged the series a little bit. Pretty sure we were out of pitchers too. Yeah, Shane Carl. Let's talk about him for a second. Yes. Because he's looked really good and he he blew the game in the eleventh inning. And then he goes back out there in the twelfth and shuts the door. He's been very resilient. He's pitched long innings of relief. He relieved Julio after he pitched so poorly uh, in the National Series and the first National Series at home. He's thrown a bunch of innings, and overall, he's done a very impressive job limiting damage. And I hope he's in the bullpen for quite some time because he can he can give you a, he's a long relief option. Who's also not a shit pitcher, isn't just there to, to eat innings, he's there to contribute. Yeah, so a little background on the guy, because <clears throat> I don't know much about him either until I've seen him pitch and like what he. I mean, he throws 95, 96. I think he touched 97 at one point today mm-hmm. in that second inning. So he's 26 years old. Um, this is an Anthopolis acquisition. We got him January 18th of this year when. Um, Let's see here. He was designated for his assignment from the Pirates when they traded Garrett Cole because of all the players they brought in. Um, yeah, I don't think he pitched last year much. Yeah, he started as a, tra- a starting pitcher, so that's why he's our long relief ah, guy. But okay. Yeah, I mean, he's looked awesome. Yeah. Seems like a fine in the bullpen. has been sneaky good. The walks are going to bite us in the ass. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You, you um, can't survive like that. I think through the... Chip Carey actually had a relevant stat today. I was shocked. He said, I'll give him credit here and not steal it. But he probably got the stat from some guy who does the stats for him. But we had, I think through the seventh inning today, our bullpen had 23 walks through 32 innings pitched. That is not a good ratio. That's a horrible ratio. We've been able to pitch around it. Adam is exactly right. If we continue at that clip, it will destroy us. And And also, go ahead. I've looked it up, actually, believe it or not. Currently... We are as a whole staff, we're tied for first in walks. Which is not what you're looking for. No boy no. So we're eighth in ERA, which is pretty cool. Solid. But is this just in the national league? No, this is in a major oh, league. Major league, okay. Yeah, we're eighth in ERA, twelfth in strikeouts, teams are hitting two twenty seven against us. But those walks, we gotta nip that in the bud. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you don't look up Whip, but I'm sure it's Higher oh, than average. Yeah, it was, uh, I looked it up, and it wasn't an impressive number, so I didn't even add it to my little. It was in the bottom like uh, 22, 23 range, somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, that's, that's not good. And also, I think the usage of the bullpen is, is, is bad. We've had to use them way too often. Um, once again, guys, not we haven't had one pitcher going in the seventh inning so far. Ooh. Which I think is going to be turned around. I hope you're right. Yeah, you you never know what you're going to get with Faulty. You don't know if you're going to get, you know, excellent Faulty, or you're going to get scuffling Faulty or average Faulty. You don't know what you're going to get with Julio unless he's on the road. Um, you know, McCarthy, the jury's still out. He's looked all right, but you don't know. Like, it's just a bunch of question marks in terms of how far these guys can go. Uh, but Sean Newcomb. Oh, baby. Awesome oh, against the baby. Rockies in yep. his start. That was amazing to Six see. innings pitched, nine strikeouts, no walks. No walks. That's a big thing That's for him. huge. Yeah. To go into that environment and to not give up any walks, not give me any runs, it's beyond impressive. So, But you don't know what you're going to get with him either. Uh, but just because we, we've railed on him a lot for walks, we railed on him for his inconsistency, but it was encouraging to see him go against that offense and Nolan Arenado, DJ Domehue, and shut him down. Yeah, you see you see what he's capable there of. And Anibal Sanchez had a pretty good start, too. Yeah, he's all right. So I think he, he could eat up some innings for us. Yeah, so. but with Newcomb, I was impressed in that game with the way he used his, his fastball and the way he was able to elevate it in the zone and put it in a place, especially later in the count, where where guys just couldn't catch up to it. It was almost like they were expecting off-speed. And whatever he was doing that day was brilliant. I mean, he, he was pretty much on practically untouchable. Yeah. A young guy like that, um, just the confidence boost that he gets from a game like that Mm -hmm. is huge. Especially like coming off a pretty rough first start and going in to frickin' chorus field. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just got to do huge things for his ego Mm -hmm. and confidence and hopefully he can work off that going forward. So, I think the point here is, yes, it's a question mark, Graham. There's a lot of unknowns. Mm -hmm. You don't always know what you're getting from people. But, there's potential there. Yeah. And we got arms in the waiting. Yep. Should someone flub up. Right. And I think Gohara is getting closer. Uh, Luis Gohara threw two innings, I think, in a simulated game. Didn't have any issues. So hopefully he's, he's up here sooner rather than later. So had a pretty dominant first start when he was out there. I think it. I mean, they're limiting them, I think, to like 65 pitches at this mm-hmm. point, but it was either four or five scoreless innings. Beautiful. From him. Yep. So. He's uh he's just knocking on the door. I think we see him sooner rather I think, than later. I think we see him this year for sure. I'd say around All Star break. Yeah. So we're playing the Cubs this weekend. Uh, they're without Anthony Rizzo's on the DL, which is good for the pitching staff. It's gonna be some shitty weather though. There might be some snow. Uh. So it might be another wild, uh, like that that game against the the Nationals. The the Scherzer game was just. Pouring. I don't know why they didn't delay the damn thing. It was pouring rain. I don't know anyone could play. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I saw going the Cubs. So who would have thought going into this series against the Cubs that we would be seven and five versus the Cubs five and five. Not I. You know. Yeah, and uh, something it, infectious about this team. Seeing the youth out there producing. Yeah. Seeing Dansby. It looks like some winnable games to me. Yeah. Seeing, seeing Dansby perform well, seeing Ozzy perform well, you know, Freddie doing his thing, um, the young pitching at times looking awesome. Uh, you just, like, I'm, this is the first time in probably three or four years where I'm, I'm glued to the screen when I'm watching Braves games again. I'm not doing other stuff. I'm not just listening in the background. No, I'm, I'm looking forward each and every night slash day to the game. Yeah, same here. So, good for us. Yeah, good for us. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for giving meaning in our lives again. Indeed. It's been lonely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to uh, some other news in the Atlanta sports world? Yes. Uh, how about those Atlanta Hawks concluded the season last night with a... A s- big loss. A big loss to the 76ers. Uh, close out the season. Okay, so currently, as far as the odds for the draft lottery, unfortunately, the Hawks are fourth now. So we got Phoenix, Memphis, and Dallas ahead of us. Oh, our first game of the year was against Dallas, and we beat them. If we just you lost did. that. And one. we were so excited when we did beat them. We just yeah. had no idea how important mean. that first game was. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know how this whole lottery <laughs> thing works, which is very confusing. Neither do we. Yeah. So we're we, trying to work this out together, though. So here's what I got. And this is this year. I know it changes next year. So, the first three picks, obviously, so th- these rankings that I just said, like we're fourth, that just determines how many ping pong balls you have in there. So, right. keep in mind, we could still get the number one pick. Lucky into the number one pick. Yeah. But we have the fourth best odds of that. Out of eight teams, is that it? Out of 14 teams. Out of 14 teams, yeah. So, like, that's why everyone says the NBA is a big conspiracy theory. Like, the year the Bulls. Like, the year the Cavs got the number one pick, like, right after LeBron left. Yeah, it's a bunch of bullshit. And, like, the Bulls getting the number one pick, like, it's, yeah. After, was that after Jordan? No, the Bulls got, it was, like, some weird year where they were, like, rebuilding and, like, they were, like, the yeah. 14th team. Do you team think and they're they really going to throw us a fucking bone? I would be shocked if we no. get the number one <laughs> No, that's a good point, shocked. Graham. So, no one's going to give a, give a shit about us. So, so, let's figure out the worst we could do. So... The way it works is only the first three picks are awarded by the drawing of ping pong balls. So the good news is we're not going to be 14th. Um, And then after that third team is awarded, everything else after that is sorted by record. So let's say somehow three teams below us end up with the first three picks. Mm -hmm. Then the Mavs would slot in at four The no, sorry. The Suns would slot in at four. Memphis would slot in at five. Dallas would slot in at six. So the worst pick we could have is seven. That's the worst pick we could have. Yeah, that's the worst. That's not bad, and considering our odds, hopefully it works out better than that. Um, yeah. But you're right. No, no chance in hell we. You know what they'll do do because uh, Dirk is coming back for his twenty-first season. One of the last '90s players, they'll give him DeAndre Aiden so that he has a chance maybe to make a last-ditch playoff run next year. Yeah, do you want? Who do you want at this point? I want Bagley, like He's we talked one, about. I think Bagley's doable around four. Yeah, I if think, we're there three or four, I think we can get Bagley. He could be two. Also, I know there's a lot of hype around that Eastern European player, uh, Luka Doncic, or whatever yeah, his name is. I watched some of his videos the other day. I. It's incredible how he can create his own shot, but he's only averaging 15 points a game in this European league. And I'm like, you know, if I'm going to draft you a second overall, I hope you're scoring 25 points and getting 10 dishes. You but know? you got to keep in mind he's playing against grown-ass men where all these college players, I think that's the difference, and that's the point he's trying to make. Like all these college kids are playing against college kids where this League, I mean, it is grown-ass men. Like some some good players <laughs> over there. Sure. Um, that's so, a good point. so he's trying to make the point cause my initial thought was, oh, another like Eastern European guy, like a Darko Milicic mm-hmm. or like, uh, who's that point guard? That's supposed to be so great. Uh, Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio. He's been solid, but nothing he's special. Fine. Yeah. That's why I like in, instantly just based off
1: preconception from Europe. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want this guy. Sure. Um, but he even addressed that and like, it's like, this is the kid that's going to, show that there's good basketball over here. And, like, he's gone head-to-head with uh, Chris Stops, Porzingis, mm-hmm. and, like, there's a couple plays where he just, like... Dominates him. Yeah. So... Okay. I mean, I was impressed with his ability just to, you know, for his shot-creating ability. The way he's able to just... And he's tall, too. He's, like, six eight, but he's a point guard. Yeah. His ability, his, his quickness, his agility, his ability to make his, create his own shot is impressive from some of the videos I've seen. He just jukes a guy out, just through the leg dribble, pulls back, shoots it right over someone's face. who's right, right there, and it's just no problem. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I know everything about him. I just know I've watched a lot of Marvin Bagley this year. And like I mentioned on an episode, either last episode or the episode before that, no, you're pretty the quick man, to skip the, over the Hawks' last episode. So yeah, so <laughs> the, the the episode prior to the last episode, I mean, that was got this, these post moves that make you freak out, man. And he shot forty percent from three point range. So he shot sixty one percent from from the field and forty percent from three point range. I know college is a different game, but you gotta be encouraged by that and the double doubles he put up. This isn't Sheldon Williams. This is this is legit legitimate NBA player. Yeah. So let's just hope we somehow get the three at least. And can get a Bagley. Uh the problem is this is gonna take one more year yeah, no, that's of getting fine. a high draft pick. I think that's fine. I think you get the thinking about that front court, you get Bagley, you get you have John Collins. <clears throat> so your front court's set, that's your four and five. You got Schroeder, who I know everyone hates, but you know who you're gonna replace him with? The guy has averaged twenty points and six times in the NBA as a point guard. Yeah. He's only twenty four. Maybe he gets better, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Coriell Prince has played his ass off this year. I yeah, think. He's been he's been like getting 25, 30 points. A game. I know he's yeah. he's going nuts. And so maybe you get uh, a, another swing man to compliment him in the draft. Then maybe you make uh, a trade or you pick up a Clay Thompson somehow or some maybe not someone that good, but someone else who can help this team who's a veteran. Like they're still I think we're still a year or two away. But the good news is the guy who is considered a veteran on our team right now is twenty four years old. Yep. Would have been nice if we had that number one odds right now, though. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Nothing you can do but now. The kicker is you heard this rumor about Coach Budenholzer. What's that? He might be leaving, man. Really? Yeah. Um, he's been thrown around for the Bucks job. How is he going to the Bucks job? Oh, for Giannis? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. And I, he's just not on board with his losing, man. For, for users unfamiliar with the Bucks, they have this stud, Giannis... I can't pronounce his last name, so I'll butcher it. I think it. most people know him at this point. Could, I feel Hugo, like... If, I don't know. Some people might uh, not. Hugo wouldn't know him. Hugo wouldn't know him, so we got to explain <laughs> okay. it. Right here. So Hugo, there's this guy who's like 6'10 for the bucks, who can pass, you can shoot the three, he's... he's they call him the Greek freak. The Greek freak. He's got the arm span of a f- fucking pterodactyl in the prehistoric era. I mean, the guy is just an absolute freak. He can shoot the three, he can dish, he can drive to the rack... Uh, he's an all class defender. Uh, he's everything you would want to build your team around. So I mean, they're a playoff team now. I I think they have like Jabari Parker too. And yeah, so it would definitely be a better option for, for coach Bud to, to go there than have to deal with another year or two of losing before we can actually be respectable. So I don't, I wouldn't blame him for leaving if he left, but I would be disappointed because I think his system and especially his ability to develop players yeah, we're not going to find a better coach than him. No. His ability to develop players has been exceptional. He's turned Demari Carroll into a really... Turned him into a really good player. Now, he fell off because of injury. But he he, he basically... He and his staff, along with Damari Carroll, put in the hard work. But together, they made him get, you know, a five-year, what, $95 million contract in free agency. He made Al Horford a better player. He made Paul Millsap into an all-star. Jeff Teague into an all-star. I mean, this guy has taken players whether they be veteran or youngster, he's turned Dennis Schroeder into a 20.6 assist guy. Granted, you can't say that strictly he did that. I'm not just saying he did that, but under, wouldn't you say that under the supervision of Mike Budenholzer, our players have developed at a much better clip than they have with other coaches in prior regimes. Yeah, but we just should have never given him the GM reins. That's where things started to go south. No, I, I would agree with that. But his player development and his guys yeah. he no, hasn't. No, we're not, not going to get a better coach than yeah. him. So, so I don't want to really lose him. I don't want him to go. But, so who's reporting this? Uh, I heard it from Brad Rowland, who probably m- knows more about the Hawks than anyone in Atlanta. I would agree. No, he's a, he's a he's a great source. Um, so that's concerning. Yeah, it's it's legitimate. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I I kind of thought from the moment that he was stripped of his general manager duty duties that that could sour the relationship between him and the Atlanta Hawks organization, but. You know, you didn't hear anything about it this year until now, at least for me, and I'm not in the know that well, you know, i not Brad Roland, but I keep up with my Hawks and I'm, I'm scared to hear that Mike might be leaving. And he he's, he brought to this city a level of excitement about professional basketball that hasn't been felt since Dominique was here in the early nineties. So I would hate to see him leave, um, Right when we're on the cusp of maybe getting a franchise-defining player like a Marvin Bagley. And maybe I'm overstating that, but I really think he can be one of those key pieces that helps turn us around. I feel like you are too on Bagley that I want to steer clear of him because he's going to be a huge bust. Well, remember, Adam, when I was 15 and being a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, I said, if anyone takes Marvin Williams in the top 10, they're an idiot. We took him as a number two pick when Chris Paul was there. I said that at 15. Also, remember, Graham, you said that J.J. Redick is going to be a terrible NBA player and that they sh- anyone should take Jawad Williams over J.J. Redick. I think Jawad was never given a fair shake. Jesus. Jawad Williams was a really good college player. I don't know why he didn't make it in the NBA. I would have taken Jawad over Marvin any day of the week. You said that, yeah, we're talking about J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick has turned into a very good nba player who's a dynamite three-point shooter who does his job very well so the point is i'll give you that you were right about marvin williams although Marlon, he's like a 10 12 year vet so i mean he's an nba player oh he's solid don't get me wrong i mean he's but he's not like you didn't draft jj reddick number two overall you drafted marvin williams number two overall yeah. chris paul is sitting there man yeah we flubbed a lot uh, another so, and I said that before he was drafted. I didn't just come out afterwards. I said, that yeah. before the reason I want the number three pick is last time we were there, Al horford, great player, great player. you remember who was picked number two though, if we could have gotten number two? no, Kevin Durant so like superstar man, if the supersonics had just passed on him, oh, don't tell me that <laughs> God, that's depressing Greg Oden was one though, so. I, I always got to feel worse for the, s- the, at least we didn't at least we didn't have the option of selecting right. Them. That was another thing when I what if we just picked Greg Oden instead of Al? What if what if the number one pick was KD, number two was Al, Al and number, number three number was Greg? Oden. That would be a classic Hawks yeah. pick. <laughs> I remember watching that championship. F- <laughs> I remember watching that championship between Ohio State and Florida that year. I think it was 07. and I remember watching Ohio. Like I watched, I do watch a good amount of college basketball. I watched a shit ton back in the day, and Greg Oden to me was slow. He was lethargic. When he got inside and was able to get the ball in the post, he was able to only score because he was so massive. No one could stop him. But he was so goddamn slow. I was like, his game's not going to translate to the NBA. And then it didn't. And he also was just injured all the time. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would think, this is this guy's just going to be a fucking superstar. It's like, yeah, you know, if he could move faster than a goddamn snail in the paint, then sure. But he, he couldn't. He was able to out-muscle guys because they were younger and smaller than him not so in the nba i think we one week we should do because we always talk about like all the terrible picks but we we should do one where we talk about the good picks that we did have and the people we could have taken instead of that turned out to be busts i like that yeah this tease for maybe next week's episode yeah, yeah we'll uh put a different different preparation this. yeah no, know that one we can't just do off the top of our head yeah but um, well, that's that's some sobering news. As I just poured myself a drink, thank you for telling me that. You're welcome. Was probably man. gone. Yeah. The good news with the Braves win today. Bad news might lose Coach Bud. Yeah. Congratulations to Matt Ryan and Sarah Ryan, welcoming their twins into the world. Uh, Marshall and I think Jonathan. Did you hear the backstory to it though? I heard they were premature babies. Yeah. So she. She was in the hospital the mm-hmm. week of the Rams game. The Rams play. No, it was the week of the Eagles game. Nah. So Matt Ryan missed a practice. Before right, that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why, though. That's crazy. I mean, that's one of those things that, like, it was just a routine appointment. And then they're like, you need to instantly get admitted into the hospital. So it was kind of a life or death thing for Christ. Matt Ryan's wife. So- but they had the babies now. That was three months ago. I'm confused. There, were, there was something wrong. Oh, okay. So yeah. they went there and got it taken care of. So she, she was in the hospital for a while. Okay. Yeah. Poor bastard. Yep. Poor, so poor Sarah. So he was dealing with all that before that Eagles game. Yeah, so. that's rough. Puts and it into perspective. Yeah, and you know what? Another thing that's interesting is, is something I haven't thought about with the contract negotiations that are still ongoing is that you know maybe he's like, I don't want to talk about the contract until everything with Sarah is okay and everything with my kids are okay, which is... Incredibly respectable if that's the case. Yeah. I'm not saying that is. But I know he came out the other day and just said, yeah, I think we're getting close. And So I, I doubt my hypothesis is correct, but I like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> he also said that he lets his business people handle that. Whether or not that's true or not. He says he doesn't like being a part of that process at well, all. Yeah, and I don't think he has... To, I think at the end of the day, right, um, you get into... You, you let them negotiate, and then the guy comes back to you and says, "Hey, it's this is what they're saying, and I think we can get you more." And then you're probably gonna say, "Oh well, shit, let's give me more if you think we can." Sure, simple sure. as that. Simple as we'll probably just cut all this Falcon stuff as well. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> so we don't really have much on the Falcons Nothing this about week, time. but at least the the, the, the children were born, yep. and it seems like they're healthy, even though they were they were premature. It seems like everything's okay, so that's that's really good to hear. Uh, for Matt and his family. And we'll talk draft in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think we'll do some draft homework. The draft is on the 20th or something like that. Might have to talk draft next week. Yeah, we'll probably have to talk draft next week, so we've got to do some homework. It's a big, big draft show coming for you all next week, as well as our top players that were not drafted. That should have been, or whatever it was. No, uh, top players that we did draft instead of other shitty players that we could have drafted. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mixed it up there. Um, well, yeah I think that's today's episode cool I want to thank you all once again for making us a part of your day or evening wherever you are however you're listening uh, you know the social media by now no more events no more events we, we, we'll, we'll never do that again we're done we're done we'll probably do it next year but we're done so, uh, put ourselves out there put ourselves out there very few responded Actually, no one responded except people we knew. (laughs) Uh, Real reality check for us. That was our ego. We had business cards and everything. Yeah, we're going to have those for a while. Yeah, we got 500. I think we only gave up four. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So remember, until next time and always, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true. Atlanta. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap.